0: ESG has become established as a key business theme as companies and investors seek to navigate the climate crisis, energy transition, social megatrends, mounting regulatory attention, and pressure from other stakeholders. The rapidly evolving landscape has become inundated with acronyms, buzzwords, and lingo, and we aim to break these down with industry experts. Welcome to ESG Currents, brought to you by Bloomberg Intelligence, your guide to navigating the evolving ESG space one topic at a time. I'm Rob Duboff, Senior ESG Analyst, your host for today's episode. Now, when you think of environmental activists, you think of uh, Greta Thunberg or Greenpeace chaining themselves to oil rigs. And when you think of shareholder activists, you typically think of the corporate raider types looking to make a quick buck by uh, chopping a company into pieces. But increasingly, we've seen these two worlds come together most dramatically in 2021 when activist engine number one, took on Exxon in a proxy fight over its climate transition strategy and won. This year, we saw a record number of shareholder proposals, pushing companies to bring environmental and social issues more into focus for corporate leadership. One of the most active in this space has been As You So. Founded in 1992, the group bills itself as the nation's nonprofit leader in shareholder advocacy. They have an extensive track record of putting forward resolutions on issues such as energy and climate, social justice, and the circular economy. On this episode of ESG Currents, we're joined by Danielle Fougere, President and Chief Counsel of As You Sow. Danielle leads As You Sow's program teams in creating lasting social and environmental change through shareholder advocacy and legal initiatives. Through her work, Danielle has been instrumental in securing industry conversations uh, on environmentally sound technologies and securing compliance with environmental law. Danielle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Great, first off, why do you think shareholder resolutions are an effective tool? Why not just directly appeal to say consumers or politicians?
1: Shareholder proposals Um, and shareholder engagement more broadly is effective because shareholders are owners of the corporation. And so they both understand what companies are, they understand companies, the financial arena. And so when an investor comes and speaks to a company, it's um, a meaningful engagement and it's your owner saying, we have concerns. And so companies tend to listen to those concerns in a way perhaps that they might otherwise discount the opinions of, of outside groups. Um, rarely do they discount consumers, but it's, it is difficult for consumers to um, come together with one opinion.
0: Got it, but I think one of the debates we always hear is engage or just divest. In, in your opinion, if, if a company's not performing up to snuff, unimportant environmental or social issues, why not just walk away as an investor?
1: Right. So there are as many opinions on this as there are investors. <laughs> what we <laughs> tend to tend, tend to see is that some of the largest investors who are investing for the long term, so asset owners, um, pension funds, what they're trying to do, engagement, they see engagement as a, a way to change the company to bring issues to the company's attention and get change while remaining in a company. So it may be that investors think that over time, um, as large asset owners, they have some sway with the company. So if they can get companies to change, to address risk, um, then they are more likely to stay involved in the company. There are some investors, we've seen this particularly in climate, Um, They've engaged over a long period of time and at some point say, okay, um, this oil and gas company, for instance, doesn't seem to be changing, is not investing capital in, let's say, new types of energy. And so at some point, some investors have fallen away. Others have remained and continue to engage with those companies. So it it really depends on the investor, the subject matter how the company responds and I will say divesting from companies is something that investors do regularly not just because of ESG issues but issues of value concern risk so in some ways divestment has taken on a life of its own in terms of climate but it is something that investors do they make choices between companies
0: Right. They'll, they'll sell in and out of a position if they think the strategy is going the wrong way. Not again, to your point, not just on climate, but, um, mm-hmm. pretty much anything to do with the the long-term value. Right. So can you give us a, a little peek into what you do in, in any given proxy season? You know, how do you and your team pick the specific initiatives?
1: So we, um, uh... There's a range of ways that we get involved on issues. One is, as a shareholder investor, we're always looking to what are issues of concern, what risks are foremost, what seems to need um, adjustment, and what do we think is actually plausible to change. And so we also will have investors who come to us directly with issues, and we'll investigate those issues and um, assess whether we think that that it's an area that we could engage with a company fruitfully on and and make change. So we look at, um, and we've also, because we have been doing um, shareholder engagement for 30 years, we have been watching issues play out from the beginning. So for instance, with climate, we were there when the carbon tracker report came out and it said there's more than enough oil and gas already being developed we don't need to do more and in fact there might be stranded assets so we looked at that and said how our investors are probably concerned about this Mm -hmm. let's start investigating and so um, climate change has been a dialogue what 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 do investors expect from companies what can companies do we started out with just identifying carbon risk is what we called it in the beginning. We even had to uh, coin a phrase for it because they're really, the market wasn't taking climate into account and wasn't taking climate risk into account. And so over time, we've moved from um, getting simply reporting on climate risk to moving companies to address greenhouse gas emissions, to disclose their full range of emissions and to set net zero targets or 1.5 degree aligned targets. So it's been an interesting um, period of engagement with companies over time. The asks have been increasing as the risks of climate have been increasing.
0: So are you developing relationships with these companies? You know, is it you go to a a, a, you, you first get the disclosure and then you have that relationship and they kind of know what you're looking for when you come back again and say, all right, now let's put some action on this.
1: Oftentimes, so we, we work with uh, many large companies because <laughs> you, there are issues. There are plastics, and there are so you might take a company like Coke, where we've um, worked with them on plastics. We work with them on climate. We work with them now re- recently on reproductive issues. So yes, some many companies we have worked with over time, um, different periods of time on different issues. But I think we also. Companies understand that we, when we come to talk with them, it's usually around a serious issue, and we will engage with the company, listen to what they have to say, and um, you know, work with them to hopefully achieve change, whether it's in climate or other issue areas.
0: Right, um, and when you identify these the issues that you want to engage on, how do you then go about identifying companies? Uh, you know, obviously you can only do so many in a given year. So do you look for ones where you have the most impact or companies that are more likely to engage? How does that process work?
1: It really will depend on the issue. So oftentimes you are, you see an area that um, there will be leaders in a certain area. Um, We will assess what are the major companies in this area doing, who's leading, who's lagging. And oftentimes we will Work with the the companies that are falling behind their peers, and mm-hmm. so that's usually we we look to um, companies that we think have the ability to change or that are simply lagging. It it often depends. It's a it's a it's a company by company analysis, but and we also look at the broader market to to make those assessments of <laughs> what is feasible. And and you're right, we cannot. Um, we can't work with every company because it's fairly time-consuming.
0: Right. We've seen new resolutions come up you know, fairly quickly nowadays in response to current events. We saw a renewed focus on forced arbitration and harassment policies in the wake of Me Too. And then the last few years, we saw a bunch of requests for racial audits following the George Floyd murder. Uh, as you just touched on, uh, this year we saw quite a few proposals on sexual and reproductive health Uh, I assume that was in response to the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision. Uh, You mentioned it was at Coke and I believe at Pepsi as well. Uh, How did that come together? Uh, Can you kind of walk us through that process?
1: Sure. Um, If if I recall, an investor actually brought these concerns to us. But in the wake of the ruling, we saw large companies um, now having to deal with abortion, which is something we would hope companies would not have to deal with but there you had it. And if you've got, we had um, companies that have employees nationwide. And so in one state, they would be providing um, reproductive health care to some employees, but then in other states, they weren't able to or didn't, couldn't provide it in state. And so what that did was create a type of equity issue where you've got one company treating, company, treating their employees disparately Mm-hmm. And so we were hearing,, um, I think this investor was concerned about those issues, the employees, the fairness to the employees, and also what would what would be the risk to the company um, for not providing equally across its 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 employee base. And so we asked the company to assess what what is the impact. Go out and look and make sure, that you are aware of all of the risks associated with how the world has changed as, as quickly as it had done. And we saw that there were many companies that were, um, for instance, with regard specifically to abortion, were providing employees in states that couldn't get it. They were a lot paying for them to travel to a state that would. And so now you've got companies that are are being leaders in an area and other companies that weren't addressing the issue. And so asking the company to assess risk made sense to us.
0: Right. And and why Coke and Pepsi? Was there something about them specifically or some of the others that that were targeted this proxy season?
1: Well, they hadn't been moving as many other large companies had. They have very um, large workforces and they were in many states. And so um, they are also large companies. And so they have more Um, press attention to them naturally. So in our minds, the risk was larger, they were falling behind peers. And we felt that it was important that they take this, you know, look at that risk and do that assessment.
0: Right. Now, I've been following the engagement space for a few years now. Uh, When it comes to topics like the environment or poverty, we see a lot of religious groups at the forefront of these shareholder campaigns working with groups like yours. So I think one of the interesting dynamics of this is something like reproductive rights is this is an issue where maybe you find yourselves on opposing sides. So this leads to a broader question around coalition building. How do you go about rallying support for your resolutions. I imagine those conversations are different with other nonprofits than, say, a major asset manager like a State Street or a BlackRock.
1: Absolutely. Um, And what, in some sense, what As You So does is by putting the proposal out, um, we, when we, so first we just, maybe I'll throw this out there is that first we always send letters to companies. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, we will engage with a company before filing a proposal. Um, Many times we're able to resolve an issue without filing a shareholder proposal. Other times we find that we need to to file a shareholder proposal. And even then, once we do companies will continue to engage with us and another significant percentage will, um, will come to some type of withdrawal for so Um, Those proposals that go to a vote, we we work to inform proxy advisors. So we'll present to them what, what the issue is about and why it is important to investors. We do meet with some of the largest asset managers, not always, but on issues primarily where they have questions about the proposals. So we'll explain to them, they'll ask questions, we'll provide um, more insight into the proposal and why it's being proposed. And otherwise we hold webinars. Oftentimes we do reports about certain issue areas to help create benchmarks. What is it that investors should be considering when investing in a company or when engaging with them on particular issues? So there are a lot of ways in which we um, talk about issue areas. we meet with people, we do writings, we do blogs sometimes, we often do reports. So there are a variety of ways that we'll address issues, especially issues that are ongoing and changing. So we'll try to keep investors abreast of that. So there are a variety of ways we can inform investors about why why the issue is important and why it might make sense for them to vote for it.
0: Great. And have you noticed as ESG has become a bit more of a hot button issue, has, has corporate, has the, the work you've done changed at all? Has the conversations with either the companies or the investors, um, has there been any change in the last few years you've noticed?
1: So companies, um, it's interesting because ESG has, ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues have always been addressed. It, it just feels like as time has gone by, gone by and companies have become more and more powerful that what they do impacts stakeholders more and so over time environmental issues we've also seen a lack of regulation at the federal level and that for instance is why climate has been such a, a large issue with investors because they understand the risks associated with climate they want to see companies, taking, not just taking action, but I mean, so disclosing information, because this is a risk investors care about. And without information, they don't know, they can't compare one company to another with regard to climate risk. Investors have had to seek out that information themselves or ask for companies to take action, like um, disclosing their, their greenhouse gas emissions, or what kind of targets they're heading to, or have they gone down their supply chain and and assess risk in terms of their suppliers so esg has become you know it, that's just an acronym it means different things to different people and so that's for sure. I, <laughs> again for sure. we would as investors like to see more clarity around that because um, there's a whole array of funds that have esg in the name and maybe they're esg oriented and maybe they're not so mm-hmm. um, but it, in the end Raising these issues is important from a risk perspective. It's important from a stakeholder perspective. So um, that's why we have taken on many of these issues. Now we see the anti-ESG forces. And with that outside pressure, um, misconstruing ESG for the most part. So um, making it appear to be a political issue rather than a risk issue has... In some ways, it's vastly complicated, the area, for companies and for investors. There has been um, a lot of red state activity trying to outlaw environmental and social social risk assessment, which is, it's just in some ways, it makes, I mean, it, it, it makes zero sense to say an investor cannot, look at climate as a risk factor. It just makes no sense. And so it has complicated the issue area for investors and for companies. So we see companies, we see banks who are being prohibited from doing business because they have climate goals. And that then makes companies more reticent to take action. It puts them in a spot where they know they need to take climate action. But what are the ramifications if they do? what are the what is the political fallout which is it's a strange place we find ourselves in currently
0: that's for sure and and just playing devil's advocate here they would say i suppose that there's a bit much of a there's a lot more of a, a liberal bent to all these proposals and um is there no is there a risk of going too far let's say so particularly as we've seen the recent affirmative action ruling that some of these de and I policies that uh, a lot of ESG investors are proposing is there a risk uh, of going too far
1: well I you know I would say what does it mean to go too far um, because we haven't seen any assessment that there have been any you know that there have been negative consequences other than what the right has just created and so I would say investors are well equipped to make decisions they don't vote for every proposal that gets filed they assess it and they make a a vote one way or the other proxy advisors are important to help make those decisions but in the end every investor has to make that decision on their own with with information so um, you know i don't i don't give the it's gone too far much credibility just because the world has changed There's a reason why investors are asking for these things. And we've done some fascinating uh, assessments using data that companies have been providing, starting with EEO1 and then additional data. And what you're seeing from the studies is that companies that actually implement DEI policies are, are more successful. They're more creative. They're responding to their clients better and their value is increasing. So so far you know I would say the risk is not that you have too many too much focus on these issues but that when you don't there is much more risk but in the end you want investors to make those decisions you don't want the government telling you you can or cannot consider a risk factor
0: that makes a lot of sense so switching gears a little and and maybe ending on a high note uh, can you talk about some initiatives that you're particularly proud of or that have resonated with a broad shareholder base where you've seen definitive improvement from uh, corporate behavior and uh, ultimately better outcomes?
1: Of so many areas. Um, I will say net zero. We have seen companies with a little push from investors starting to set net zero goals, looking at the future, once they set a goal, deciding how, how do you go about putting efficiencies into place, which save money? what do, what are our suppliers doing? How do we um, make make new products that will be viable, not just in the US, but internationally? And so from a competitive perspective, from um, a risk perspective, I think that we have made progress on climate. not enough, not quickly enough, but we're heading in the right direction. And that makes sense because not to do it, we're starting to see the impact of of not taking action from the insurance failures and the fires and the floods. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Plastics has been another area that has um, very much been supported by investors. And so looking at uh, perhaps this is because of the great garbage patch and, and just what we're seeing in terms of risk to oceans, Plastics, we've been able to get major companies to adopt recyclability goals. To We're starting to see Pepsi, for instance, um, look at bringing back bottles instead of just plastic so that they're recyclable. We've gotten Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's to move away from styrofoam, not just nationally, but globally, which means less styrofoam waste in ocean. So that has been... Um, Plastics have been an important area of success. We, we haven't gotten all the way, obviously, but right. we're starting to get commitments from Procter and Gamble and Colgate and, Bottom Olive and some of the largest packagers in the world. I, I, here's an interesting one. Nanomaterials is something we adopted uh, a small campaign on. As we started to see nanomaterials being used in foods, we said, huh what what is what is the cost benefit proposition for using nanomaterials which are so small they can go through the blood-brain barrier, they can go through the placenta. and we saw that we saw that the risks were very high, but from animal studies. And what were the benefits with um, Dunkin Donuts? It was a wider, brighter donut. That was it. And so we actually asked companies. We said, you know, Tell us what you're doing in nanomaterials and how it makes sense to use nanomaterials when we don't even know what harm they would they are causing to people. You're you know far in advance of the science, and so that was an opportunity. Having raised out with companies, um, I think that it prevented problems from getting started in the first mm-hmm. instance. Yes, yeah, so that was. Um, an instance where we were we wanted to get in front of that curve and say, you need to know what's going to happen if you use these materials. And so that, I think, was a great success. DEI, I mentioned earlier, um, starting to ensure that there is diversity in the workplace and that people of diverse backgrounds not only are hired, but also promoted. And we've seen that there have been you know, ex- benefits to companies who put those policies into place meaningfully. They don't just keep hiring people who then leave, but they actually give the opportunity to um, all people to, to move forward in the company and to, to contribute. So that we think has been a, a success as well. The other, I, I think another one was working with banks to set net zero goals which was interesting because banks finance companies, they don't have significant emissions themselves. Essentially, they were taking responsibility for where their money was being invested. And so having set net zero goals, some I think six of the largest U.S. banks, they now have an opportunity and an incentive to look not just at funding prior clients, high carbon clients, but what are the opportunities associated with new technologies, new fields, new sources of energy that are clean and green, and, you know, in essence, where the world is heading. So that has also been, I think, a success of shareholder work and engagement.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Danielle. You can find more information on topics like shareholder resolutions by going to BI Proxy Go on the Bloomberg terminal. If you have an ESG quandary or burning questions, you would like to ask BI's expert analysts, send us an email at esgcurrents at bloomberg.net. Thanks again and have a good day.